and booze. Yeah, we're doing a little remote thing today. Mm -hmm. try, I thought we'd try something different. Yeah, let us know what you think about it. We're, we're, we're trying. We're trying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, well, quite naturally, Urban Booze will be celebrating Women's History Month, and in doing so, we're going to highlight some uh, extraordinary women who are leading extraordinary lives. So this month, we are going to be speaking with blenders, innovative bloggers, and passionate educators. And in particular, this week, we move it on to the other W, uh, whiskey. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to explore by taste and knowledge what is called as the smoothest whiskey in Tennessee, Uncle Nearest Premium and Small Batch Whiskey, the 1856, which here, 1856, mm -hmm. And the 1884 blend. Yep, we were both able to get our hands on those two bottles. Okay, well, Peggy's right. I do like history, but for, with me, it's always, why did they do it like this? What happened? But we, we started, this is March. Black History Month is always a short month to me. Well, it's always a short month because it's only, at best, 29 days for it. Yeah. So well, we get shorted. Right. We, we, month of the year. Always. But always. I did a little digging, and most of us know the story of Uncle Nearest, Nearest Green, he was a slave. He was bought in, well, he was living and working as a slave in, um, I hate to call it working, he was slaving as a slave. <laughs> because work, work means you can take it or leave it. That you he can't. Got, that he got a wage. Right, right, that he got a wage and he had an option. He had no options, but he had some, he had knowledge. He was from West Africa. One of the things he knew how to do was filter, and his filtration system was through charcoal. Um, not, I'm sorry, not charcoal. Uh, charcoaled wood. That's how he used his filtration. He was in Virginia, the Virginia, Maryland area, sold down to the Deep South. So usually when that happened, that was like a, a separate kind of punishment where you get sold down river. And that made it worse because everybody knew somehow slavery was somehow worse in the South than it was in the North. I, it was bad everywhere. There was, you know, horrors everywhere. I, you know, anyway, he goes down there. He works for a company. He slaves. A company owns him. They, because I guess they were not enterprising or maybe had a few extra people that they, they could loan out. He was rented out by a preacher. And I'm, I'm not bothering with their names because their names are not important to me anymore at this point. Okay, no, no, their no. names are recorded. I'm not sharing that information. Y'all are interested, you can look them up, they're there. So Nearest goes and he's working for this preacher who either he was too broke to own slaves or he just didn't, you know, maybe his brand of Christianity says we shouldn't own slaves because owning people's bad, but renting people out to do some work yeah, is okay. Right. I, I, exactly. Because I don't think maybe that's not good. And then the whole thing, he's a preacher who's making whiskey. 
what happened to the, you know, we're not going to, no strong liquors, no strong drink. What happened to all of that? Right. Not for this preacher. He makes the whiskey. He also hires out because, and I, and I suspect he's, he's a, not the wealthiest of guys, but he's enterprising. He hires a young orphan. What do we know about young orphans? They don't have anything. Nobody's taking care of them. This young no. orphan is Jack They're Daniels. On their own. Right, they're on their own. So nine times out of ten, he didn't get to eat well either. He was working. He was basically sort of indentured. He, but he did learn something. He learned a couple of things. A, I can do business. B, I'm going to learn how to make this thing so that I do get to eat and drink going forward. You right. know? So, And that's what he did. The Civil War happens, and... Um, Nearest doesn't get killed, and neither does young Jack neither, Daniels. Neither does Jack. Right. So when the war is over, Jack says, hey, we can go into business for ourselves." Right, because something must have happened with the preacher that they were able to go out on their own for and, their business, and then he didn't get sent back to the corporation in Maryland. Well, See, the war happened. They were still, you know. That's true. That's true. But sad. but the war happened and the sharecroppers happened, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, that's true. They said, Hey, come work for us, Uncle Near Nearest Green. Right. But they didn't. They left him alone. They left him I alone, guess yeah. Kind of further up north, so to speak. Right, that's true. That's true. He didn't because he could have just ended up as a sharecropper without the knowledge, but or with right. the knowledge, but they kept him on. He and Jack Daniels, they work. They create this whiskey. Everybody knows. Everybody in that Tennessee area knows they that. They all know about him. Right. They, they all know about him. clearly a hellified salesperson. He, he probably had the gift of gab. Right. He, Uncle Nears was like, let me just make my stuff and Jack's like, good, because I'm going to sell it. Right. And everybody knew what was going on and nobody cared mm -hmm. because they liked the flavor of their this particular blend. Mm -hmm. And it's tasty. I've had the, I also bought the 1884, you see what's left in the bottle. <laughs> I like this. This is a, I like this one. It's a it's a strong flavor. That one is smoother. I like this though. It's a hundred proof, so I'm gonna be feeling quite nice when I this glass. Well and then that's the yeah, that's a big glass you poured yourself. I know. My son was like, Oh, we gotta do it for effect. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, here's the thing, though. Even though that one is smoother and it's, it's 100 proof, you do taste the what I attribute to the strength of it. You can taste that 7%. You can taste it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found that the 1884 was a bit harsh for me, especially, like, since this is my first foray. I mean, and my question to you, Laura, not to change the subject, is what was your first introduction to whiskey? Outlander. TV. <laughs> because, you know. TV, TV's, you know, I read a book. Whiskey's like a, a very big part of Outlander because it's, Outlander is a, fi a fictitious science fiction-y story with time travel. But in the 1700s, they were making whiskey and the main characters. That's probably, that's how they earned their money a lot of times. Really? Oh yeah, they made, you know, they made whiskey. They had to hide the taxes. All of this is going on in this book TV series. And so, you know, but they like, we, we need to calm down. Let's have a sip of whiskey and, and think things over. And I was like, what is this whiskey they're all do drinking all the time? Well, I only ask you that because I think my mother, I don't know, my mother drank J&B. 
I think I need to look that up. I don't know if that's scotch or is scotch whiskey. Is that scotch synonymous? and whiskey? And it's like what they call, you know, the Irish spell whiskey with a Y. And I think the scotch and the American spell whiskey E-Y. And scotch is made in Scotland. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, my mom would send me to the store once I got old enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, to get her. I, I, I know why I'm thinking J&B. And I used to always go, okay. You know, mm-hmm. and that that was my first, you know, introduction. I always smelled it and thought, God, that's strong. And my mother would only have a small little glass right. before she went to bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, here, Ma, here you go. You know, we all knew that was her thing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but she lived to be a ripe old age of 86. So I, I'm not mad at it. So it was, she clearly enjoyed what she drank. And I think, um, I think when I did, when I called on a couple of uh, liquor companies in my with my job, I would give her like Johnny Walker Black, and she was like, "Ooh, she got really happy about that." But I never thought about tasting it. But that was my first introduction to seeing my mom drink it. But always drinking it when she was about to go to bed. Never, I never saw it in a uh, a mixed setting. And uh, I've always affiliated whiskey with cigars. Um, I always affiliate like old old men with mm-hmm. cigars drink whiskey. Right. Because that's the end of the day. Now they're going to relax. And that's how they're going to relax. You take a, a sip. You take a smoke. You just, And then you have your conversation. But I find that it's strong. You know, it's for me. It is strong. For me right now, I'm, I'm telling myself I'm going to try to. It's going to help keep the uh, the COVID-19 at bay. Along with the garlic and the, the ginger. I've been doing um, hot toddies. And I don't think this is a good, I think this is almost a waste in a hot toddy. You but think so? It's so tasty. It's delicious. Why would you, you know, and it's a single malt. Why, why would you do that? I have yeah. this other brand that I use. Um, it's called uh, Dean Stop. It's real basic. Mm-hmm. It's a blend, but I think they blend it in Scotland, so I get to at least feel like it's fancy. But I'll put that in my ginger tea. And sip that. And, you know, if you feel a cough or something coming on, uh-huh. you drink that, go to sleep in the morning. There's no cough coming on. You know, your head's clear. Your your nose is clear. Your chest is yeah. clear. And you well, woke I, up fine. I, I mean, while I can appreciate this uh, 1856, like I'm looking at the recipes in this cute little book that comes with it, y'all. Y'all should make mm-hmm. sure you get this. Uh, there's a recipe that has honey in it. I thought uh, um, I'm called Tennessee Gold. It's lemon juice and honey syrup. I'm definitely going to try that. Oh, I've seen some recipes, yeah. I love the fact they give you recipes. And, of course, you know, with the Urban Boost twist, I'm thinking, can we pair with food? I don't know. That might be a bit of a stretch. But I'm sure as hell going to bake it. I'm going to put it in my ice. I found a recipe called the Honey Whiskey uh, Cake. Hmm. Um, I am really inclined to see if I can incorporate that because it would be wasteful. I know I'm not going to go through these two bottles, but... Um, well, it's whiskey it keeps. You know, you can have it around for a year. It's not, you know, it's opened. You can, it's not going to disappear. It's not going to evaporate. Me, I always like trying to incorporate it in my food, and mm-hmm. that's that will be my approach. And it's not to say that I didn't like it, but I think... This might be really interesting in a, a like a, a whiskey soap cake. You know, obviously for grown-ups, mm-hmm. I might, you know, I might use you as a guinea pig, Laura, and make it and have you try it. Well, I'm thinking I might do the, the bread pudding, that bread pudding that I made with the, um, yeah. with the potato bread, and then do... Oh, I want to try it with the Hawaiian tropic bread. The Hawaiian... Ooh, oh, right, the Hawaiian rolls, the King's Hawaiian yeah. rolls. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm going to try mine with the um, the potato bread and then the glaze. I'll do a yes, glaze with glaze. it and I'll soak my cranberries. I know sacrilege, it's not raisins, but I'll soak my cranberries in some of this and see what happens. No, no, it's tasty. It was good because it's, you don't want it to be super sugary. You want it to be, you know, that little hit of sharpness. The, the tartness that. is not tart. It's just yeah. sharp. Yeah. I love you because you got to macerate them. But mm -hmm. see, of course, I'm going to do the raisins, and then I would take that leftover honey-soaked juice, mm -hmm. and I would make the icing from that. Right. The honey. Yeah, that'll be, okay, that, that's going to be on the menu soon. I'm going to work that out. Okay. I'm, I'm going through this baking thing. Never thought I'd be a baker, but I'm definitely loving pound cake and, and bread pudding. Now, I wanted to go back to, you know, this thing with Uncle Nearest. What I found that I thought was a disconnect is, who has the recipe and how did it get started? Oh, and I know yeah. how did it get started should be one thing, but who has Uncle Nearest's, who has Nearest Green's recipe? Because I'm not. It seems that these, these two are a blend mm -hmm. of, of what his great-granddaughter put together, Victoria Butler. Right, and the, I want to go back and talk about the women because it is Women's History Month, and that's right. why we have this. Um, Fawn Weaver is a woman who was on vacation, a woman who looks very much like us, who was on vacation in Singapore and happened to notice that Jack Daniels was going to start these tours, and they're gonna and they mentioned Uncle Nearest, and as we've, you know, in our journey, seen a lot of companies will give a little lip service to, oh yes, the black people. You know, and yeah. and so she, but she was on vacation. She says, well, I'd like to take this tour. She went back and she went and took three tours of the Jack Daniels distillery. And there was barely a mention. And, and then she asked them, what's the, what's the deal? You said there was going to be all this information. There was this tour and I got nothing. And they said, oh yeah, we couldn't find anything. Right? Couldn't find, except <laughs> Uncle Nearest descendants are still working. <laughs> At the, at the distillery. So what couldn't you find? Some kind of way about this tour that didn't even mention right. the godfather of Tennessee. Whiskey, right. Whiskey? Did, did, they don't mention any of that, right. Because that's, it's, this is America. This is America. This is We're what so we do. It's just, uh, but, but, but it's also, it's not just margin. It's, it's, it's this constant, got to keep you in the corner, keep you in the corner, and then... Oh, we're gonna. We mentioned you, right? You got your mention. You got your honorable mention, and that's it. And when they say honorable mention, they really do mean we gave yeah. you a little bit of lip service, and then we moved on. And but that did, clearly, Fawn was a force to be reckoned with. That okay. didn't sit well with her. So she went and she found there are a lot of his descendants still living in the area, and you know they started talking, and she met with uh, Victoria Butler, who is his great great granddaughter. She right. She met with the siblings. Right. She wasn't. She wasn't interested. But that's the thing. It's. It's kind of. It could. It should have been better known, better publicized, better. They should have had a better stake in the company. And when I say sure. better, I mean having more money involved hitting their mm -hmm. pockets. That's when I say better. And I don't know what money hits their pockets or what money doesn't hit their pockets, mm -hmm. but. When you talk about three billion dollars a year, and then you say, "Well, we're going to billion with a B," when they say we're going to put this, and the, these people still work at the distillery, but do they are they on the board of directors, the board of trustees? Right, you know, right. I'm feeling no. I'm feeling it's kind of a oh, you lucky you got a job with this company kind of thing. 
but I could be wrong. Or, or they moved away from the business, as it seems that a lot of them did. I think, you know, probably the second or third generation, they were like, well, not interested in that business. Because they probably didn't really see any success with their parents. That's what I'm thinking. Except, except you have a job. You'll always have a job right. here. That, which is right. nice, but when one group, you know, when you're making $3 billion a year off of, you, you know, the, the, it, black wealth, right? Yeah. Right? It's like, we don't get, you know, I don't live in the house that my mother bought, that her mother bought, that, you know, do you get to live in the house that your mother bought, that your father, your great-grandfather bought? But they do. And that's the whole thing. It's like, wealth. We don't have that kind of wealth as a group. But here's a here's descendants of somebody who created something out of nothing. And right. where's their cut? That, you know, exactly. where's their cut? And I mean, so, she, I think she was quite clever um, and very, you know, very good at kind of explaining to the family. And it seemed like Victoria was the, the keeper of the key. Right. She had to work through the siblings to get to Victoria. And then she had to then demonstrate... I really care about you. you right. Know, you know, our nearest Green's descendants. Here's my idea of how I can help you all. And right. Once she said, look, if we can put a distillery together, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that's using his recipe, that still is enigma right now. Right. I want to be able to use the, the, the money to support the Green's descendants going right. to college. And that's when all, you know, they were like, oh, okay. Right. But this is also a woman who had a she had vision. She had vision, right? Juan Weaver had vision, and then Victoria Butler basically said, "I'm not. We're not um, stepping on us all over again. We're not doing yeah. that." But she was also at a point in her life and in a position where she was retired. She had, you know, there are different things she could do. She's still young enough to make things happen, but old enough to have done some things and really seen how things go, you know. And she's the one. She's a master blender. She blended the one that you like. The 1856, yeah. yeah. The 18, yeah, the The other story, that's and then that's not being said, right? And then there's the story that we, as a group, know. You know, there are general family histories. It's like, you know, when you start thinking about it, it's like, well, what about the recipe? It's like, I am the commodity. You're the commodity. You know, we're it. So, you know, it's it's not just the knowledge and the information. It is the reality of our existence. That's pretty much yeah. it. You know. What, what I think is so cool is that um, you know Victoria started role, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the, the nearest Green Foundation, and then she realized she just had a knack for whiskey, and, and the only one out of all her descendants that really her siblings, took yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, when she did, I think when she did 18, 1884, mm -hmm. no, no, I think, didn't she do 1884 first, then 1856? The 18, 1856 is the last one, is the one right. that she did, so right. Right. Someone who has not grown 
with it. So that speaks to that that strength in that DNA. Right. They'll just say the the palate of her, you know, the the genes in her palate. Right. Went into her, so you know, black folk. We're gonna say his spirit came to her. Right. And God. The ancestors spoke, (laughs) and she could listen. For real, for real. I'm like, who got the recipe? Mm -hmm. That's the original recipe. But a a whole other part of it that I wonder is how Fawn Weaver was so adept at, at getting Jack Daniels, the company, his descendants. To even allow this to happen, because you know they but couldn't squash that. They seemed that you they know. wanted to make it happen, though, only in the sense that they they were giving it lip service initially, and then she said, yeah. and then they said, "Well, go ahead and find it," and so she did. I think they wanted to. You think she found the recipe. I don't know that she found the recipe, but I know they were. I I kind of get the impression just in reading the articles that they seemed a bit supportive of her pulling more information out. You know, it's like, well, if you mm-hmm. want to find the information, it's there. Go ahead and find it. We're not going right, to stop you. You know, so you got to give a nod to mm-hmm. Jack Daniels' legacy. You got to because, as we've seen time and time again, there are ways that they could have been, they could have put all kind of roadblocks and obstacles mm-hmm. uh, there. Uh, and I say kudos to both women, you know, because for one said, okay, let's build a distillery. And I guess Jack Daniels like, okay, you can build a distillery. But, but, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Fawn Weaver and who she is. She is a, a woman of means. She's an African-American woman of means. Her father worked for Motown. He was a songwriter and a producer. So there's money. She married. She wrote books. She started a blog. So she was not just, you know, yeah. just some girl who didn't have anything. But, you know, she didn't have a dollar in a dream. She had a lot of dollars and a lot of dreams and was properly educated and good wherewithal. There wasn't just, you know, I think I want to do this and right. and then just jumped off. She, you know, she came from something. So, you know, the same thing with um, Victoria Butler. She had, she worked. She had her money. She had her retirement. She could, they could put something together so that if you go to a, a larger person and say, hey, we need help with this they're more likely to help you because you're already halfway there. Right. Uh-huh. You know, because yeah. that's the thing. When you need a whole lot of help, nobody wants to help you. <laughs> when you, you know, it's like, but I got an idea. And it's like, yeah, come back when you got something else. Yeah, so I think, you know, really, I think it was kismet. The mm-hmm. moon aligning with the stars. Victoria could retire. Mm-hmm. She, she already had her pension. She mm-hmm. invested. And she had time. Right. You know, and, and Fawn had the capital. So bottom line is, you know, um, wealth attracts wealth. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't be someone who just has a dollar and a dream right. in this respect to have made that happen. So uh, I know that there was probably many roadblocks that they're definitely not sharing mm-hmm. that they went through. But kudos to them yes, for coming kudos, out ladies. with this. Because it's one of the fastest, Uncle Dear's, uh whiskeys is one of the fastest growing whiskeys going, I mm-hmm. think, in the world now. Uh, that's yeah. what they're stating. And, and uh, you know, I found this. I know you, you got yours at Happy Court. Mm-hmm. I found mine in uh, Long Island at Pike's Liquors. Okay. You know, now, you know, that's a lot for someone to have distribution. And we all know that story with distribution. If you don't have the monies to pay for that distribution... To get those licenses and everything. To get those licenses, it's not going to happen. Right. You got so, your dollar, you got your dream, and that's maybe even made some stuff. But but nobody's exactly. gonna, nobody's interested. Yeah. So, you know, kudos Fawn for having that vision and the wherewithal. And kudos mm-hmm. Victoria who just 
tapped into her DNA. <laughs> right. And came up with something very tasty. Don't wonder if that's something I would have been able to make. It's like, wow, how do you get appreciation? And I think, uh, I think we're only going to see more, you know, as this foundation grows. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that they said that they, there is the house that, that Nearest Green lived in mm-hmm. uh, while he was there in, in Lynchburg. You know, there's only stones where the distillery was, but I'm sure that they're on the, you know, have that in their plans to do something really, really interesting. Can you, wouldn't that be incredible? That would be a, great. A whiskey tasting tour? A whiskey tour? tasting tour, I would love to go. But and I don't know that I, on the one hand, yes, I'd love to go. On the other hand, I'm not feeling any place called Lynchburg. I don't know that I'm driving into that town. They already told me they don't want me there. So, you know, there's that. Uh, and you know what I was just thinking? Let's talk about for those who are like me. You know, whiskey is, is, is not keto-friendly because it's made from grain, right? It's all keto-friendly. It's all keto-friendly, but it's, mm-hmm. it's coming from grains. How could it be not be? One shot and you're not mixing it, it doesn't mess with your keto. Sugar, rum, is keto-friendly. That's straight-up sugar. Come on now. How is rum keto-friendly, though? One shot doesn't mess with your ketones. Who the hell is going to drink one shot? Come on. If you drink one, well, whiskey is is in, you're drinking one shot. It's 100 proof. You need more than one? Really? But I'm talking about who's going to just drink one shot of rum. I can see one shot of whiskey. I've seen it on TV, movies, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a cool thing, you know, a little goes a long way, you know, but... Rum? We're talking pina colada, Bahama Mamas. Mojito. Make a mojito without the sugar, without the extra sugar, and you're good. That's a tasty drink. You have your crushed ice, your model, your mint, and your rum, and you're good. You don't don't, don't put the extra stuff in it. I don't think anyone's drinking just a shot of rum. Mm. Just rum and coke. You know, the plan is punch. It's It's about, you know... Four ounces. I don't think that's a shot. A shot is like two ounces. I'm just saying that in terms of the level of consumption, mm-hmm. uh, a, a shot of whiskey, maybe a shot of rum. Well, and, and and I had this with, I made beef stew the day it rained. Was that Thursday? Uh-huh. I made a quick beef stew. It was really good. And um, I had this one. <laughs> uh-huh. And it was tasty. It really, it went down well. But I just drank it over ice. But I could have had it without it being over iced, you know. Well, right. I had already eaten it, but this, well, this afternoon, mm-hmm. I actually had this with a, a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. <laughs> so okay. I still found a way to match it with some comfort food. So, you know, look, I can do that. I am not limited by whatever rules there are with whiskey. But right. I'm certainly glad that we can have whiskey that was blended by a woman, and especially mm-hmm. a woman who is uh, African-American. Mm-hmm. Who, can, who comes from a line of the descendant who is the godfather of whiskey. I mean, right, okay. of American whiskey. Mm-hmm. Of American whiskey, yeah. that's It's just amazing and, and really glad that we have this story to share. Yep. Okay, right. well, well, we'll talk more about some other whiskeys later in the month. So yes. look out for it. Um, there are other women who are blenders out there, who are master blenders, who come from a long line of whiskey blenders. So we'll definitely get get to them but this week we started with uncle nearest okay yes 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 so this week is uncle nearest and remember we always want to emphasize the importance of drinking responsibly you know if you do it the urban booze way you are drinking responsibly because you're drinking it with some food right with some comfort food which is usually heavy 
So you, exactly. you are being very responsible. You're not getting out and driving. There's, that's not happening. That's not responsible. But we if know you, that's not y'all. Right. But, you know, certainly it would be great to hear, you know, if you had a chance to sample Uncle Muris of both of their whiskeys, or even if you got a, a hold of the 1820, let us know. Right. Or the, um, or the 1884 silver. Oh, yes. I didn't see that one. I didn't see that I'm, one. I'm not sure that it's sold in the U.S. I think it's just sold in the U.K. We'll see. And I, I am going to look to see how it does among, you know, their whiskeys. Because this is an American whiskey. This is not bourbon. This is an American whiskey. Right. But, you know, in the land where whiskey was created, how well does Uncle Nearest Silver do? That's true. That's true. And if, if y'all like me and this was a very new venture, and let me know if you cook with it. Um, if y'all want the, um, the honey whiskey cake recipe, let me know. Because I, I did try it, I did try it with Jack Daniel's honey whiskey, and it was fabulous. So uh, you know, certainly, uh, I would love to hear on how how you like your whiskey. Are you a straight up traditionalist, straight with all over ice, or would you be like me and, and try to do something and, and, and cook with it? Hmm. And if you if you do, which recipes would it be something savory, or would it be you know a cake? Or, or am I just being blasphemous? You know, I, I'm open to all of it. I don't think it's blasphemy in cooking with it. I mean, I you know, know, it's like, oh, it's a fine thing. It's like, yes, well, maybe I want my food to have a fine flavor. Yeah. Or maybe there's something else I can use that will get my food to have that fine flavor. Let us exactly. know. Exactly. Let us know. You know, you can always find us on Instagram. Twitter. Facebook. Definitely Twitter. Mm -hmm. Lord, got that Twitter game down. I enjoy Twitter. Twitter's fun to me. I, that's why I couldn't go there. I, and then I find some interesting things happening. But yeah, Twitter, you'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have our website, urbanbooze.com. And of course, YouTube. Click like, subscribe, so you'll know when... Oh my gosh, yeah, Spotify. <laughs> the podcast. Come on, y'all. That's right. You can, you can listen to us on the podcast, Spotify. Um, and again, YouTube. Click like and subscribe so that you'll know when we update exactly click that notification button so until then this With is urban booze enjoying what's good sip by sip, sip. see you later bye bye <laughs>